0: Leave diesel behind with Toyota Hybrid Electric and cut down on fuel costs and harmful emissions. Our self-charging hybrid range has helped make Toyota Ireland's best-selling car brand in 2021 and 2022. Models are available for delivery now, including the Toyota CHR and the Corolla range. So talk to your dealer today about flexible payment options. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. Built for a better world. Terms and conditions apply. Best selling claim based on most recent monthly figures. The Home Show.
1: With Colour Trend. Bring home Irish colour with Colour Trend paint. This
0: is News
2: Talk. Welcome along to The Home Show with me Sinead Ryan, we're in our new 8am slot and coming up today, forget windmills and tulips, Heselic is the new iconic Dutch design concept sweeping Europe. We learn how to get the look in your home. With the phasing out of coal burning fires on the cards of the country, are the days of the open fire numbered? And what can you do with that space that's always been the hearth of the home? And look out, the 1990s are calling. Stenciling is making a return. Rosine Murphy's here to explain all and she splashes the cash on how top designers create everyday items. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here on The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And remember, you can listen live or listen back to the show and all of our podcasts on the Newstalk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, you're very welcome along, uh, bright and early this week. Uh, Gosh, we've had a lovely couple of warm-ish days there, but there's no mistaking the autumnal air. And with that in mind, an old argument does the rounds in our house again. When is it too early to stick the heating back on? Well, for me, never. For himself, not until our teeth are chattering and there's snow on the roof. Uh, Well, now they're is proof that women feel the cold more than men. And it's down to evolution. Researchers at the Tel Aviv University of Zoology, listen, I'll take my sources wherever I can get them, folks, found a big difference in heat-sensing mechanisms in the body between males and females. As if we didn't know that. And for some of us of a certain age, of course, the central heating goes completely haywire anyway, so it's hard to keep up. Anyway, it's on in my house and it's staying on until, ugh. Oh, April, at least. But where do you stand on the heat? It's not an insignificant bill. We're trying to be more energy conscious. Is it something you can or can't do without? And sometimes an extra jumper doesn't cut it. Anyway, I'll be talking about lots uh, and lots to do with this coziness and heat and fireplaces and all of that uh, this week with uh, different guests. But let me know your favourite heat solutions instead of sticking on the radiators. Are you a real or fake fire enthusiast? Uh, do talk to me. Uh, 53106. Email us at the homeshow at newstalk.com and you are very welcome along. Now move over, Hugga. The Scandi cosiness craze has competition. Heselig is a word that not only refers to something warm and cosy and familiar, but a whole philosophy that encompasses so much of Dutch culture. But what is it? How can we bring it home? Uh, And is Heselig going to take off here in Ireland? Well, Anne Tui, interior designer and founder of Room Junkie Design, joins me again on
0: The Home Show. Welcome back, Anne. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure, Sinead.
2: Now, tell me how you first came across. Uh, and you were very thoughtful. You sent me a, a kind of phonetic pronunciation, Heselic, uh, but it is spelt G-E-Z-E-L-L-I-G. Who knows the Dutch language? What can we say? How did you get interested in it?
0: To be honest, uh The Dutch Higge always fascinated me a little bit, but I think it's become so commercialised. You can't walk into a shop without finding a Higge corner and you've got sheepskin rugs and all of that. It's almost become a bit boring, I think, and I might get into trouble for saying that. But my youngest son is in college in the Netherlands and his girlfriend is Dutch, honest Dutch-American. So... I have a fascination with the country and one thing I love doing, and you might do the same when you're visiting, is they never pull their curtains and I love watching into the rooms and their decor is always stunning and simple. But Hoselec is is more than a design concept, it's it's almost intangible because there's no direct um, translation. It's a bit like some of our Irish words. Uh, you can't translate dil- directly. So while it's cosy and comfortable and friendly and fun and all of that, it's this intangible feeling of, um, a feeling that you achieve in your house. I think, don't we all want to do that?
2: Indeed. And actually, when you're talking there about your son, my daughter spent, uh, you know, some, some years in Amsterdam. She's back home now. And she was always fascinated with this idea that they don't They don't pull their curtains. They don't even have curtains in a lot of ways. And you're walking mm -hmm. along these very low canal houses, which everybody adores. They're, you know, very ancient city. And uh, you can stare right into somebody's living room. And in fact, they kind of nearly think you're a bit odd if you hide your stuff away. (laughs) It's a strange thing. So talk to me about how it is different then Heselic from Huga, because it is that sense of cosiness and comfort.
0: It is, but I do think it's less pretentious. Uh, It's definitely less commercialized. Um, They do, you will have lots of softness. They have lots of soft textiles, but they will have things like soft cable knits and um, woolens and cashmere maybe, some velvets. It's actually a design that if you look into some of those houses, they're actually, even though the buildings are quite old, the design inside is quite contemporary, but they still achieve this coziness and warmth. Um, I think they bring nature in as well you Know with their chillips and their flowers and lots of greenery, uh, their lighting is important, they will layer it up as we would here, but they also have things like fairy lights and candles and softness. Um, it's, uh, I think, post COVID, it's what we all crave you know, to be able to entertain at home again and to have this casual table setting that's still elegant. Um, but it is an intangible, it's hard, it's very hard to describe, but when you're in that situation, you know, and it's friendly and you feel like you belong uh, and, and it's, um, it's not structured. So I think we can all adopt it in our own way. But it's creating this gorgeous feeling of comfort and welcome and friendliness.
2: Yeah, it's nearly more like um, a philosophy, a way of living. And it strikes me in the same way Buddhism isn't a, a religion of sorts it isn't just a religion it's it's a way of life and a way of interacting with others haselic is is a little bit like that because you can have all the comfortable blankets and throws and the fire on and all that but at the end of the day if you're sitting in a room with somebody you don't particularly like or you know you're in bad form that's not haselic isn't that right so it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of a an all encompassing
0: feeling it it is and and that's what's so lovely about it because it's a bit like that's a great analogy with Buddhism because you recognise Buddhism, you recognise that yen state, you know what it is, even if you don't fully understand it. Apparently, Barack Obama, when he left the Netherlands, said, my trip was truly Heselik. And I know exactly what he meant. He obviously felt welcome, um, he felt looked after, he felt the friendliness, the good vibe, I suppose, from the people. Um, but if we can achieve that in our home, particularly now when we've had so long, you know, that when we didn't have friends or family come to visit. I mean, I've only seen Brian... I think twice in the last two years. He used to come home every couple of months.
2: Yeah, and, and there is that feeling now that maybe we are approaching a time when we can do that more often and be a little bit closer. I must say I've, I've loved all of my trips uh, to the Netherlands. Uh, now, Anne, you work a lot with contemporary design, with new builds, and we have this, you know, fascination with steel and glass and open Borders and all that kind of thing in our home. How does a, a concept like Haselic, which is really about closing in and about kind of uh, minimalizing our, our uh, immediate space, how does, is there a conflict there, do you think?
0: No, I don't think so. It's, it's funny, yesterday I spent the whole day with a client who's building an amazing uh, contemporary home in Beggs. He's living in Dubai, so we got a lot done yesterday. And I talked to him about this because a lot of contemporary builds have open spaces. And I think what I've been doing within these open spaces is I will create almost conversation pits within the space, zone the space, maybe have a really soft rug underneath the sofas or even underneath the dining table to zone that space. I would use, and yes, I will have steel, I will have glass, lots of it, hard surfaces probably on the floor because there's underfloor heating, but I will bring in the warmth and the fun and that tactileness in really soft cushions, lots of things like velvet, soft sofas, technology in fabric now means you can have a velvet that you can clean with water so even if you've got young kids you can still have all of this comfort um so soft furnishings rugs lamps lighting um zoning your space but having lots of tactile elements art as well gorgeous art big art you know flamboyant beautiful colored um vibrant art, this all creates energy within a contemporary home and softens it. I mean, to be honest, most of the contemporary homes that I have designed over the last number of years, they've been for young families and they've still been the perfect family homes, but in a different way.
2: Now, do you think colour is important? Because when we think of these Scandinavian country design elements, they're very minimalist, they're neutrals. We think of pale creams and beiges and greys. Can Hasselic be done with a little more vibrancy in mind?
0: Oh, I think it can. To me, I mean colour, I use colour as energy. I always start with a fairly neutral palette, always because you've got longevity in that, but the colour is a movable feast, and you can even change things up. You know, we're coming into autumn now. So you can spice your decor up for autumn and bring in your oranges and your mustards and your raspberries and your you know, your vibrant autumn colours, those beautiful autumnal colours that are all around us at the moment, and then you can dilute things down a bit for spring and summer when the light is different we're in Ireland so our light is different so we must work to the light and work to the aspect of the room as well
2: Mm. Uh, so if somebody wants to kind of introduce that sense of closeness and warmth into their own home uh, without redoing the whole thing, give us some simple ways. Uh, you, you talk there about zoning portions of a room. And I know in these massive box extensions that so many people have, that can be difficult to do. I mean, the whole the whole point of it w- was to have this kick out kitchen and, you know, how vast it is. But, but is there a sense maybe people are just want to make it their space a little bit smaller again?
0: I think so, because to be honest, lots of people in those big open spaces, when they were trying to conduct meetings at the kitchen table and the kids were trying to do their homeschooling, they realized that maybe there was merit and having a smaller space. So I would be very conscious if I'm designing a pretty open plan home, I would always make sure that there's a family room that I would often decorate in a deep color that is a nighttime room, a television room, maybe somewhere with no TV, even just candles and lights that you can chill and zone. But if you have a big space, you can, you can definitely compartmentalize you're still going to have your flow because your floor is probably all going to be the same the wall color is going to be the same but you can create more cozy even in a fairly modest space if most people stick their furniture back against the wall which I hate but if you move it more into the room immediately that space becomes more conversational and cozy you know you can have throws you can have your cushions you can have your rugs immediately you've got your going on Okay. Before you even light a candle or that, light the fire. That's interesting because you're quite right. We
2: all push our sofa back and our chairs back and the television back against the wall and create this square in the middle of our room. Uh, do you think people feel maybe if I move the furniture
0: around or move it into a closed space, the whole room will look smaller? I think they do. And the, the opposite actually happens. I talked about this a lot all during lockdown. I actually did a, a daily Facebook live every single day. Don't ask me how for a year and a half so there wasn't an interior design topic that I didn't um discuss and this was one of them and people didn't believe me and then they come back to me and said, You know, I did it. And something miraculous happened. The room does seem bigger, but it's much it's much more cozy, it's much more conversational. Um, you've got this lovely space in the middle. If you think in a hotel which has been professionally designed, the foyer always has has clusters of sofas Indeed. and chairs. Everything is not pushed back against the four walls. Indeed. Okay, that's interesting. So in
2: that way alone, even and do you know what? If you don't like it, you can always move it back. Um, and then as you said, those wool Throws and sheepskin and candles and all of that. Okay, now Anne, um, COVID has had a massive impact. You're back to normal now. Everything, everything working well with you at the moment.
0: I am, although it's it's hilarious because I'm doing so much online. I've actually set up an online design school. So I've got an online course and a self-development course. And if you told me two years ago that I would be doing this, I would have said it's just not possible. <laughs> it's incredible. It's like, good, actually. It's like really good.
2: so many people and so many things, people have taken the opportunity to do uh, something in a different way. And and you're certainly one of them. And uh, I'm asking my guest this morning because I had a little uh, chat at the top of the show there about... Um, Fire and real and fake, and, and where everybody stands on that. Uh, where are you? Are you a real or a fake?
0: Okay, I'm a Donegal girl at heart, and you know something, <laughs> I love a real fire. Yeah. But I'll be brutally honest, Sinead, I think over the last couple of years, there's only been one home where I've put in a multi fuel fire and they've never used it because I think the insulation is so good, the construction yeah. is so good, you've got underfloor heating, but you need a focal point. But the good news is that the electric fires technology again has helped and some of them are incredible and so realistic and so comforting Um, so I think that is the way we're going to be going we will be giving up our real fires but uh, but the alternative is a good one. All right well we will be talking to Jennifer Sheehan about
2: that after the break. Uh, Anne Tui, Room Junkie Design, Uh, thank you so much for joining us again on the Home Show and the very best of luck with your online school. Well thank you so much it's
0: always a pleasure Sinead.
2: Now still to come here on The Home Show Roisin Murphy is going to be opening her purse and blowing the budget on designer extravagant everyday items you won't want to miss that, it doesn't happen often and home of the year winner Jennifer Sheehan is on hand asking whether the days of the fireplace are numbered so why don't you grab yourself a coffee join me back here on The Home Show on News Talk after this break
1: The Home Show with Colour Trend Bring home Irish colour with Colour Trend Paint this is News Talk.
2: And that was the iconic sound of the Merino waltz to welcome my next guest, more commonly known, maybe to some, as the music from the Bored Namona advert played by Jennifer Sheehan. I have no idea. The Dubliners? No, I never knew that. Indeed, and uh, I just—it's a gorgeous piece of music.
1: It's going to be in my head all day now. What, I'm it's little, about It's a bit that. of an
2: earworm. Uh, and what does it evoke for you? Because for me, it is the fire, isn't it? Like you can just see it there. And Elaine
1: um, Tintown, Martha Tintown, <laughs> Fain. <laughs> I don't
2: know I said that <laughs> exactly. And listen, we want to talk about this, not only because here we go with autumn and the day, a few nice days recently. But I mean, it is definitely going to start closing in. And there is nothing that speaks to autumn and winter more than a fire. But like we're all these days been asked to reduce our carbon footprint. Coal is bad. Briquettes are bad. And we thought we'd ask you whether the days of the fireplace are numbered because so many houses now have none. You know, they've no radiators, they've no fires, they've underfloor heating and all of that. So uh, to give us more design solutions. Well, of course, welcoming back home of the year winner, uh, friend of the home show, Jennifer Sheehan. Real or fake? Let's start with that.
1: Real, of course, real. Like I'm not going to go down a political rabbit hole here about you know carbon emissions and what's right and what's wrong, um. But I mean, you can't beat a real fire. What else are we going to gather around in the cold winter days? And there's nothing like that heat from a fire. And in- indeed, indeed. But there are, nevertheless,
2: households that are having this conversation about fireplaces. Um, it, it used to be a, such a big topic. Uh, marble wood you know elaborate Tiled, simple. wrought pop, iron, exactly? Yeah. Uh, and there are lots of homes I know that even though and I'm one of them that has a fireplace but no functioning fire. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I love the mantle. Oh, they're I love fab! The and you, piece. you know, you can
1: hang up your stockings at Christmas, and you can put your candles on it. A fireplace is stunning. Yeah, I think it's
2: important, and even putting a painting or a mirror up over over yeah. it. Yeah, you know, you need that base, that that kind of thing that's going to that's going to uh, go go with it. Uh, now. There are, that said, new regulations um, coming next year, which means that if you have an open fireplace, it's part of this ongoing move to try mm. and get us to reduce all of this stuff. Um, there will be a, a ruling about the type of fuel that you can use. Yeah.
1: So I'm not an expert on this. So don't at me. But And there's been a lot of back and forth. But let me try to make it as simple as I could find it as to what's coming in and why. So the two main reasons are energy efficiency, So open fireplaces lose up to 70% of their heat. That's a lot. So if you're somebody who is concerned about your BER rating, you cannot have an open fireplace effectively. It just makes it too low. And since 2014, all new bills, all new developments, um, and I'm talking about multiple developments here, not one-off houses, um, can't have open fireplaces because the requirement to have a, a BER of, I think it's B2 or B1 mm, or higher mm. or something, is there. And so they can't. The second thing then is that the emissions, the particles, um, and apparently over 1,300 people, 1,300 people die in Ireland every year. From the emissions. So, you know, two solid reasons, I would say, to, you know, (laughs) to to
2: change how we do things. Indeed. And we're going to be hearing much more about that on Tuesday with the budget and the carbon taxes and all of the things that are going to be added to that. Yeah. Um, So if you have an open fire then from September 2022 you have to well what fuels can we use
1: yeah so so as a fan of the fire like there are options right so if you have already an open fireplace in your home or you, you know you're building a home and you want to put in an open fireplace uh, you're looking at new f- fuel if you want to keep it open so you know briquettes are going to be gone coal is going to be gone there's going to have to be some new alternatives brought in and sold on the market. What exists already is wood. So typically a lot, a majority of the wood that's sold on the market already is of the standard that is going to be, you know, the minimum in in September okay. 2022. So and that is a moisture content in the fuel. So, So a lot of the stuff that you can buy already is there. So if you're wood burning, you're fairly safe. If you're coal or briquette or peat burning or something like that, you're going to have to change up what you do.
2: Now, of course, lots of people like the hybrid option of not a, not quite an open fire or no fire at all, but these stoves, you know, these yes. closed uh, stoves, whether they're gas or whether they're real multi-fuel burning. Yeah. Uh, I'm in two minds about them.
1: Oh, I love them. I, they're yeah. so cosy. Okay, so stoves are great. So if you have your open fireplace, right, and you don't want to keep it as, you know, a big wide open chimney breast that's lowering your BER rating, you can do a few things. You can, you can put a stove in there. Because they have a sealed vent. Mm. So you don't have that issue with energy yeah, escaping. so they're very efficient. And actually sealed stoves only lose up to 20%. I say only, but it's a lot less than 70% of their heat. So those lovely sa- Stanley stoves, those solid wood-burning stoves, you can get them burning gas now. They can fit into a lot of existing fireplaces because, you know, what they need to vent is, is quite small. Or they can go anywhere. You mm. know, they can go anywhere where, where the vent can escape out a roof or out of a sidewall. Um, you can put them anywhere, and and they're quite efficient, and they really heat a room very yeah. very well. Now, the, and some
2: again. of the at the upper end, of course, they're not cheap because you have they're these lovely cheap. cast iron. You mentioned Stanley there,
1: but yeah. all, all the lovely cast iron ones. I mean, they're they're an investment piece, aren't they? They're very much an investment piece. I mean, you can get the really small ones for probably around three or four thousand, but realistically, for the larger kind of ones, you're looking in the ten to fifteen thousand range. Yeah, because they have to expensive. be installed
2: properly. This isn't DIY territory, yeah. and, and it has to be done. In, and the one thing in the round, yeah. in
1: the round, that's exactly it and the one thing I'll say about them is they do need to be serviced and same with open fireplaces you have to clean them out I mean
2: who's got the time the old chimney sweep right now electric fires
1: um, other end of the spectrum yeah is this like
2: the pretendy flame they're
1: pretend flames I mean look you know you're never going to have a real flame with an electric fire I think there are people who have done a Pretty good job of making them look realistic. They play soundtracks of crackling flames and they oh. sound pretty good. <laughs> really? The one thing I will say that is, you know, quite, quite attractive about this option is that there's no vent, there's no fumes, you know, it's completely plug and go. Plug and go. Uh, and the day of the kind of the open
2: three bar heater, that's kind of gone now. I mean, they, they can yeah. look quite attractive.
1: They can look attractive, you know, you can get ones that sit into a wall and that really nice long, you know, gas flame type fireplace I think they look fine the the nice the nicer ones I've seen are in a shop I found in Cork called Flame by Design they've loads of nice options and they they can go anywhere so because mm. they don't need that vent you can even sit them in the middle of your table and one thing I do like about them is you can turn on the flame you can turn on the sound of the flame but you don't have to turn on the heat so a day like today where you know it's October okay, but it's still but it's 15, still 16 degrees okay. I'm too hot for a fire but oh no I'd want both I'd want I don't one. care
2: if it looks cold it's it nice. is cold nice <laughs> All right. OK. okay. Now, uh, while we we're talking about fuel there earlier, OK, we, we don't, the fossil fuels are out. We don't like them, folks. Bioethanol. Yes. Uh, that That's really a growing fuel source, isn't it? This seems to be
1: a real absolute no, you know, no uh, risk, <laughs> high reward type of fuel. So, so bioethanol is a no emissions at all fuel. OK. You don't need a vent. There are no fumes, there are no particles, there are nothing. So really, it has all the benefits of a real fire. It's a real flame, it's it's warm, it's hot, you know, it's burning. Um, but there's no vent needed. So like the electric fire, you can put it anywhere and there's hey, no So maybe
2: that's really the way then things are going with that. Yeah. Uh, where would you get something that uses that?
1: I've seen beautiful ones in Lamartine. So Ballymount fires I've seen have a lovely, lovely range of, of Lamartine bioethanol fires and then some other brands I've seen that are lovely. And because they're so flexible, they come in every single style, every single shape. My number one favourite. Okay, so there's that kind of modern shape, you know, with the glass front and it's in the wall or it's on the table. They're nice. My absolute favourite is those kind of cone-shaped 1970s style Looks a bit like a spaceship hanging from the roof. Austin Powers kind <laughs> of a style. That is what I would want. That's what I would go for okay. and they are fabulous.
2: All right. And of course you can do this in the garden Yeah. Um, because a lot of the tables um, I saw one recently which has a you know a garden table with, with an L-shaped kind of sofa around it but in the middle of the table was this fire pit. A
1: fire pit. Actually, there's basically no and regulations outside. You can kind of do what you yeah. want. But again the bioethanol is amazing because when you're sitting around it you don't want to be breathing that stuff in. Mm. So you can get them you can just sit them on tables um, and they are you know they have the lovely glass around so you can see all the flames you can get that nice I think very realistic looking wood log piles so you can mm. have the flame coming out of that looking like a wood burning fire um, and it's hot so you could stick a little skillet or a kettle over it or something and then have your Fantastic. cook and your marshmallows the in the alcohol middle. Alcohol
2: to a minimum. What could go wrong? <laughs> <Nothing. laughs> Alright. Jennifer Sheehan Home of the Year winner uh, thank you so much for bringing us all that up to date advice here on the Home Show and of course we'll find out in the budget exactly what we'll be allowed to do and not do and what it's all going to cost us. Jennifer thanks a million. Thanks for having me. After the break, Roshin Murphy will be breaking the bank as she looks at everyday items created by the world's leading designers. And did you ever stencil your walls and furniture back in the 90s? Well, the Changing Room's favourite is making a comeback and we're going to find out all about it after this break. Hi hey, welcome back to The Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan if you're just joining me now. Uh, I was talking to Room Junkie uh, and Tui at the top of the show about the new Dutch design concept called Heselic. and we were asking Jennifer Sheehan whether there's any place for a fireplace. If you'd like to listen back to that, do so on the News Talk app which is powered by Go Loud and you can get in touch with us uh, over the real fake fire uh, argument on 53106 for 30 cent or you can email us at Show at newstalk.com. But at this stage in the show. Every week I welcome Roisin Murphy back, our own design guru. Roisin, you're not in studio with me today, you're out filming. I'm in Tala with um, the glorious
3: experience of the M50 uh, every day for the last week and I've realised the M50 really has, uh, it's, it's, it's quite a feat of uh, traffic management.
2: It sure <laughs> is. I'm not sure it's getting any better. I think it's back to Pretty much pandemic, pre-pandemic it is level.
3: Absolutely pandemic levels. Mm-hmm. It is a, yeah. an hour on us to I get know. from
2: where I am to Tal. So it's interesting. I know, if not a little stressful, indeed. Now, how's your own self bill going? Are we are we done? When's the dinner party? When is the housewarming? Listen, there's the
3: first party is booked. One of the children has booked the first
2: party, so we are going well. So
3: they have now realised the habitable structure. Excellent.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, That's so fantastic. It's not,
3: so uh, yes, it's still not. Um, fit enough for a kitchen but all the seals are in the last bit of plastering is done so floor now next week and then
2: we're good to go and you'll be around I'm hoping I'm hoping I will we'll we'll do a road (laughs) show right. now before we start take a listen to this yeah Now, why are we playing that? Well, I mean, we never need an excuse to play a bit of ABBA here on the home show. Uh, Roisin, <laughs> we sent you off to break the bank balance uh, this yep. week. Uh, so we were talking really about basics. So we're not talking about really, really fancy items, but fancy prices.
3: OK, fancy prices are the, probably the most expensive item you can put into your house is obviously a swimming pool. It is. <laughs> I can not. do a lap pool. <laughs> it is like out the, in the the continuous lap pools in your back garden. They are, um, you know, where you you can't fill the full, that can't put the full job in, but you can put one that goes like it's like one of those machines you see in a swim in a, in a gym where you're you know you it'd be five meters wide and you just keep swimming for hours and hours and hours and hours. that's probably the, one of the most expensive things you can put in to the back and, of your garden. And they garden they're the like moment.
2: long and skinny. And then you have this current yeah. which is which is a counter yes, current so that you can exactly swim. Right. So you never get yeah, to the end. Yeah. Well I wouldn't No get you, to you the
3: never end. get to the end. <laughs> but it's sure sure uh, beats the chickens that the rest of us are putting into our back garden. It's one of these um infinity swimming pools.
2: Is there are there kind of people in Ireland who have those rochines? Seriously now. Yes. No
3: no there are definitely people who have them. There is a market here and um I have to say, is, is if I won the lotto, it's the first thing I put in. I w- no joke, a terrible. Uh, I would put it in without a shadow of a doubt. I love swimming, and I think the idea of
2: having like Ireland because of the weather, it would be just very nice to have something like that right. in the back of your garden. Well, nineteen million, of course, the jackpot is still there because it wasn't won during the week. Um, wh- what would something like that set you back, Rosine?
3: About forty grand. Right. <laughs> so it's not it's not the most expensive thing, but it's not far off us. No. Okay. That's, no, but the next thing, probably the most expensive thing <laughs> that people—what are, what are you laughing at?
2: I'm laughing at the idea of somebody in Ireland put—is that indoor or outdoor? By the way,
3: that is—it uh, can be indoor or outdoor. You can you can put it indoor or outdoor at out the back, if that makes sense. Okay. Well,
2: folks, listen.
3: So if you can, out you can there... build the shed for it. It's forty grand to put it in basic, and then it's another twenty grand to put the shed over it depending on how far you go with it the other thing i suppose the most expensive thing that people ever put in their house though is a kitchen so now this Mm. is where we go we do like a posh
2: kitchen on the home show
3: posh kitchen now posh kitchens have gone out of fashion though that's the only thing about them they're kind of like except for say something like a brass kitchen or a bespoke kitchen so an entry-level sort of bespoke handmade kitchen the, the absolute entry level of one, say, run of that would be about
2: €15,000. <gasps> entry yeah. level. OK. Yeah. Right. And you're talking about
3: <laughs> Duval kitchens, one of these handmade kitchens, maybe from England or otherwise, they're, they're, they're very simple runs. Limestone floors, marble floors are probably the next most expensive thing. But, you know, you're talking about an input. The, the, I suppose the most cutting edge expensive thing that you can get at the moment is the imported um, French oak uh or walnut floor
2: okay this that, is a solid it's a, a solid one. floor a solid okay, wood, yeah but
3: it's, a, it's like a herringbone one but it's recycled oh, yeah. so it's actually imported with the wear and tear so that is oh that's a lovely thing to do so it'll cost you 200 euros a square meter or a square foot but that's not including the importation
2: importing costs and the finishing costs to so put it down on the floor right i think you could probably double it then if that's the case right so um i, I So I'm always kind of curious as to the market for for stuff like this, because, I mean, for most of us, you're kind of going over to the to Ikea, you're looking at the Francis Brennan bedsheets and duns. But like, uh, you know, there are clearly companies and designers for whom Mm -hmm. this is a this is a valid market. And and, you know, is there. No expense spared on some people's homes for this? Are you looking at the Aylesbury Absolutely. Road, Shrewsbury Road You're residence?
3: At Aylesbury, Aylesbury and Shrewsbury Roads, they have, unfortunately, what you buy there is in the house. Like one of the things you don't do, you either are buying a property that has this floor in it. So they're the Aylesbury Roads and Shrewsbury Roads. They don't need to import this. So this is for your new builds or your refurbished properties. Architects are the worst victims for their own excesses. I will put it to you like that. They earn no money but they spend on materials right. and after then it's rock stars, musicians, um, accountants, CEOs, they're the people. But most people if you, the period property you buy usually has this stuff in it so what you're trying to do so this is for the middle market of people who are trying to buy in say something like a fireplace or or a floor or textures into a property maybe have been refurbished three or four times
2: okay so what other items then if money is no object are are money
3: um Rio Ferdinand's football house (laughs) we won't be shy about it if you want to build a house that looks like a football he did one on plan that actually looks like a football so it's it's that sort of excess Thierry Henry. a lot of the footballers go a little bit mental you'll know even the beckham mansions things like that they the footballers are terrible English footballers are a whole other niche market in architecture. Right,
2: Beckingham Palace. And of course, Thierry Thierry Henry, did he build his house in the shape of a hand? No. No. (laughs) Oh, don't mention the war. It's too soon. Now, Drake, the singer Drake, of course, he he built his home out of an airport hangar. So you can only imagine the size of what's involved there. Yeah, well, that's it. So it depends on the
3: size, of the bank balance and and, and and those kind of things are what, what they're, it's that market, it's that upper end of earning. Market.
2: So I'm wondering then, you know, on one hand, OK, you've got, you're an architect, right? You're an interior designer. Yeah. And if, if you have somebody, you know, who says, look, money is no object. I know what yeah. I want. I forget about the cost of it. I've just won the lotto. Uh, does your heart kind of sing or sink when you hear that? I mean, are you delighted uh, that you have a massive project? Or are you thinking, oh, no, it's going to be dreadful? Uh, no,
3: you? I mean, big money is a um, big responsibility. But we have had issues where, I think in the Celtic Tiger period, where big money doesn't mean smart
2: money. No, or tasteful.
3: Was, or tasteful. And there was a thing where people would strip out finishes to redo finishes. Like in a period property, big money is important because you're putting in lime plasters and all of that stuff that's really expensive. So that's always good. You know what I mean? There's big relief there because you know how hard that's going to be. Yeah. So if you have somebody who's the proper budget, if you're in conservation, you need it. Because the problem is in conservation, everything's really expensive. Sure. And that's
2: all hidden cost. Roshan, what was the most um, expensive or extravagant uh, project that you that you were ever asked to work on?
3: Oh, it would have been a museum. Uh, to be now that's Boston, but it was the ESB Archive Museum, and we were refurbishing, trying to re, trying to persuade somebody to spend money to refurbish the pump house in Sandy Mount. Um, and we couldn't get them to bite. I kept trying to convince them to do that.
2: <laughs> that doesn't but we sound get... very... Uh, I, I, I thought you were going to say somebody put in a fantastic kitchen or floor or ceiling no, or I chandeliers.
3: In, do- in domestic work, <laughs> it has to be... It probably would have been a job we did in Galway, which was a huge job. And then it was all underfloor heating, wide old floors. I have to say about that project, though... It was extreme. Now, I would say this about mine. We hid, we spent all our money hiding gutters, concealed gutters that it just looked like a very pure, like, you know, that minimalist architecture is really expensive to achieve yeah, because yeah, you're hiding yeah. gutters, hiding data. So that was the most luxurious one we ever did. And that was, um, but they were very, I have to say now, I know they're my clients, but they were incredibly tasteful. So the, the big thing was it would, they they spent the money on the detailing of the architecture. Right. Okay. And that is a very difficult thing to persuade money. You go, no, you weren't going to spend 40 grand on a gutter, a stainless steel gutter, and you're asking them to do that and they won't see it. So that's what you're wow, asking them to do. Spend money on stuff right. you don't see. Yeah, Wouldn't yeah.
2: be me? Now, while we're talking about what's tasteful and not tasteful, um, the 1990s are calling because we're going to discuss stenciling. Now, I know people are kind of a bit marmite about this because if it's done badly, it's absolutely hideous. And when it's done well... As in, I don't know, the shadow of Versailles. It's fabulous. Um, I had a go at stenciling many, many moons ago uh, when my first baby was born and I took a notion that I wanted to stencil the nursery and have it all done by hand and a a project for pregnancy and all that kind of thing. Anyway, it took far more time than it should. I'm not sure uh, it did the trick. And when she was about three years old, we painted the whole thing all over anyway. Talk to me about stenciling. Do people still get it done, Roisin? And how is it done? Um, Most people, stenciling I think has
3: gone out. Um, I did stenciling myself. I did an assistant on the job of stenciling in the ESB uh, building on the corner of Marion Square where we recreated a Victorian nursery or a Georgian nursery. And we had to stencil all of the edges. And I can tell you, it is therapeutic. (laughs) (laughs) So what you do and what we did then was you get a piece of kind of acetate paper. It's like a plastic paper. You cut the shape out okay Mm. and you then get sponge ordinary sponge and acrylic paints and you go around in detail sponge the shape on move the stencil around sponge it again move the stencil so that's what we did so that was
2: It strikes me, it it has to be quite, yeah, it is heartbreaking. It's very frustrating, Mm -hmm. but also quite precise. So is there a lot of kind of marking out surfaces and the old mask and tape and measurements and all that? Yeah, there is. There is, without a
3: shadow of a doubt. There
2: absolutely is. And when it's done badly,
3: it is terrible. But there is, the paint effects are, for my mind, stenciled lettering and all of this. You know, the stuff that really is, they're called decals, have kind of Mm. jumped the gun on the on the kind of messy stenciling. So, this is the period of decals. This is the, the generation decal where they'll put messages up like um, wine o'clock and all this sort of stuff. I hate them. They're a pet hate of mine. I'm not mad about stenciling, I have to say. And I'm not mad about paint finishes. But then I am the person who writes, who does a bit of graffiti on a wall, no problem. So. You know, one man's stencil is another woman's graffiti. So I wouldn't I can't afford to be snobby at all about stenciling because I'm like we're likely to see a whole generation of people who are going to look at graffiti walls and go, What was the mother thinking?
2: Yeah, no, I'm already thinking that. Um so <laughs> I in, when it comes then to kind of using that texture on walls, so if it's not kind yeah. of like a spray paint or a sponge paint, yeah. um some kind of um fresco or well there is and coving, there's all these new
3: wallpapers with um, um, uh, texture and 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 silk on them at the moment like we would have used textured wallpaper is coming back in in a big way these are Silk wall finishes and things that are kind—they don't need to be patterned. They can actually be just a plain texture on a roll of paper. And those going on walls at the moment is a really big thing, as well as we've seen the movement in wallpaper. People are looking at hand silk and embroidered walls as well. Believe it or not, yeah, so all of that. I is love the
2: them. Move. I think they're beautiful, and actually, you can get lovely textured wallpapers now that are nearly like a sisal or um. Uh, a kind of a fabric finish to them. I mean, it's not we're not talking about the flock velvet wallpaper of of Victorian times, but there's beautiful texture in it and it can really warm up a room, Roisin, don't you think?
3: Oh, I think it's really wonderful. And I have to say it also is a huge thing for wear and tear on walls, believe it or not. Like we would use, say, a textured wallpaper in a commercial interior where paint just won't give you the coverage. Mm. So it's a funny one. You would never think about it. But wallpapers and those textured wallpapers are really good if you're in a high traffic area, they also give that rich impact of light and texture and warmth. And they're very good for increasing the BER rating in your house because they give a little bit higher U value than, say, your average paint job.
2: Oh, how interesting. Yes, of course they would. It's nearly like having a tapestry against your wall. So you can imagine it'll be a little bit more comfortable. Uh, Now, another thing that has has kind of taken off is the whole idea of panelling. Uh, And for people who who kind of, um, you can buy the, uh, what do you call the little pieces of wood? And put them around your walls and then dado paint them. Rails. the dado, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the paneling pan is huge, isn't pan? it? Yeah, it is absolutely huge on
3: stairs and everything and everywhere. And it is not as hard as it seems in terms of making out and marking out and painting up, yeah. it is easier than it looks.
2: And you can so, do you can kind of do a one third, two thirds wall, which I think yeah. always increases the size and the height of you know, makes yeah, it, it look taller. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But and you it, have to be careful about getting those squares in just right.
3: Um, not really. I'll be perfectly honest with you. We use it all the time in the show. Just be really careful, mark it out in levels. Take your eye line rather than the floor level. That's mm-hmm. the only cheese I'll say to you because floors can move up and down but your eye won't you walk into a room and if you see something throwing off so get somebody who's a good eye and a spirit level and mark it all out and you can get plain lats it doesn't need you can do shaker style it doesn't need to be the dado the Victorian dado as well but it does really give bang for the buck in terms of finishes it just on. does and yeah.
2: and you can put them on and then paint them in these mm. lovely kind of evening colours of, of yeah. navy and jewel green yeah. and all that kind of thing and it'll, look, it'll yeah. transport you back a century or so uh, okay Roisin thank you very much for all of that Uh, Great tips there. uh, Now, Uh, each week you bring us a building uh, of the week. What have you got for us this week? Well, there was only
3: one building this week. It was Merchant's Arch, designed by Frank. Yes. Soon to be a hotel, we're told. Well, it's not, I don't think, I think there's an outcry on this one. I think it's a bridge too far for the Dubliners and for Dublin and for people in Ireland in general. The Merchant's Quay is a really important building, but the scale of the smaller buildings behind that are just as important as Merchant's Key. Merchant's Key's the original Hall, which was designed by Frank Darley in um, the, the 18th century, uh, was one of the most important buildings of its day it was like where the, all the guilds met and voted before they it turned into a council and mm. uh, elected uh, members for for who looked after dublin but it i've been in it it's it's over the years it's turned into various things from nightclubs to a button factory at one point it's the most stunning elliptical staircase but it is the real marks the real entrance of crown alley and into temple yeah. bar proper yeah now the small buildings anybody who's a harry potter fan remembers that moment where they go in to buy the wand, right? <laughs> that yeah. is not something you found in a hotel, okay? That is really important that we protect this. And I think it is definitely not, Um. I think the outcry is completely correct about the demolition of this to be replaced by hotel. Temple Bar Properties, when they set up Temple Bar, it was all about protecting the character of this area. We've managed to do it. We fought off Bazar series ago. There was going to be a Dublin bus. We're going to have to do it again. So everybody, no more, we have to write in and object to this particular development because Crown Art, Crown Alley, and Merchant's Art is integral. To the city in Dublin. Indeed, it's absolutely indeed. one of the most
2: important parts. So there you go.
3: So it's the political one this week.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, listen. We oh, so say all of us. I I do think it's a beautiful space. And just when you're coming over the bridges, particularly, you know, um, the Ha'penny Bridge and yeah. and our other iconic bridges, Dublin, and, and you see, it's Dublin. No, it, is the Dublin. Moment it's, of it is Dublin. It is. Dublin.
3: The setting is. out of Wellington Quay by the Wide Street Commission's. It started there. It, and it is where all the first protests happened. It was the first successful kind of protection of the medieval quarter of Dublin. And it looks like we're going to have to dust off the, the, the banners again, Sinead.
2: Mm. Indeed. All right. Well they won't want us all marching down Wellington, T- <laughs> Wellington T- <laughs> 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 You'll be first in line. Well, now, Roachie, pop up a picture just for people outside I Dublin, will. maybe who aren't familiar with Merchant's Arch on your Instagram, which is? Roisin Murphy Architect All right. with an
3: underscore between the Roisin the Murphy and the Murphy the Architect. Okay. And All I right. will do
2: the same on Twitter after the show at okay. Sinead underscore Ryan. And thank Brilliant. you so much for joining us Thanks again uh, from your Rocho. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Now that's all we have time for on the show in our earlier slot of 8am I hope you enjoyed it uh, if you'd like to get involved in the show a question for me Roisin or a topic you'd like to hear us cover do get in touch with us uh, we're at 53106 for 30 cent at all times email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and don't forget to check out our podcast on the Newstalk website thank you so much to the production team this week Garrett Mulhall Simon Keane and Stephen McLoon on sound up next we're excited to bring you the first episode of the Anton Savage show where he'll be Talking to the father and son cycling dynasty of Stephen and Nicholas Roach. Well, I'll be tuning into that. Have a great weekend, and remember, we're at the slightly earlier time of 8 am.
1: The Home Show with Colour Trend. Bring home Irish colour with Colour Trend paint. This is News Talk.